Welcome to Raising Connections. I'm your host, Ray Shan Mayer. This is the program where we talk about your critters, companions, commerce, and agriculture, and all of the connections between them. Today, we have a fun and interesting guest, Carol Ann Sharp. You are part of our Maryland Horse Council board. I am. As well as very active on the trails. I am. I am actually the chairperson for the Trail Stewardship Committee. Yay! We are glad you're that chair. Thank you. But you very rarely sit in a chair. You more often sit in a saddle. Sit in a chair when I'm driving a lot. I feel like I'm in my truck all the time. Well, that would be a horse person, yes. Yeah, and sit in the saddle. What is your reason for being part of the Maryland Horse Council? When I went to my first meeting, I realized that there were so many different disciplines within Maryland that I was completely unaware of. And as I've told you before, I came into horses later in life. So at the ripe age of 35, I adopted my first horse. So I was introduced to trail riding right away. But then when I went to some of these meetings to see the different ways the horses were used within the state of Maryland, just floored me. And I wanted to be part of that. And and I am kind of a joiner. And I love the idea of exploring and learning and being just part of it all. It just was intoxicating. Did you ride horses before you adopted one? No, I had sat on woman. a horse for maybe 20 minutes of my life prior to that and cried until they picked me off the horse. So yeah, no, I okay. adopted a 17-2 thoroughbred from a rescue that I had been working at for about 24 hours. That's jumping in with both feet, girl. That was, and it was February and icy, and this young lady was a volunteer. We we're both volunteering, and she was probably at 14, 15, and she made a comment like after we had scrubbed the buckets and fed the horses, oh, you know, do you want to ride? I'm like, uh, sure, because I didn't want to be shown up by a teenager, obviously. Oh, that's hard, yes. So she brings out this horse, and they were calling him Buddy at the time, and again, my lack of horse knowledge, I didn't realize this was an unusually tall horse. And you're about how tall? Uh, 5'3 on a good day. Okay, so you're going up above your shoulders to get on this horse. Yeah, I was. I climbed up on the fence and threw my body over his uh, saddle, my leg, and honestly didn't know what the heck I was doing. Like, I knew nothing. Sometimes that's bliss. Well, and I walked around the paddock for a few minutes and literally got on the phone. Ellie Williams was the president of the rescue at the time. It's called HorseNet. But I called and said, this one, I want this one. And I think I kind of equated it to like buying a stick shift and not knowing how to drive a stick shift. That makes sense. So I immediately adopted him. And I had these amazing horsewomen who didn't always agree. That's not unusual, but it's not a bad thing. But they were phenomenal. All of them I owe so much to that they uh, suffered through my stupidity at times. And most of the horsemen I know and horsewomen that I know, they may not always agree, but they always stick with you. Yeah. And a lot of them are like, well, what's the worst that could happen? I'm like, "Uh, I don't know, but let's not find out. So I did. But this horse turned out to be just remarkable. So his real name turned out to be Hawkins Buddha. He was a racehorse and he was 18 at the time. And he was just perfect because he was my first horse. We so gelled. I say this and I've had other people tell me this. I thought it. He did it. I don't think I had to learn how to ride. Yes. I had to sit and he did the rest. He taught you. I was very fortunate to move him to a property that was adjacent to Patapsco State Park. And the gal who was the owner of the backyard, he was just perfect for me. She was a retired school teacher and she was looking for somebody just to ride out with her. We just had a blast riding. And one of my first rides was to the Woodstock Inn. Well, that's a beautiful place. If you've not been, you have to do the Patapco over the railroad tracks to the Woodstock Inn. So here's this New York City girl who has to explain to her friends back home that she rode her horse and tied up on a tree and went in, had a burger and fries and a Coke, and then got back on her horse and rode back 
act like she was in some John Wayne Western. That's so, unusual. Oh, <laughs> sounds like a good ride and to me. It was hysterical because my friends were like, well, what? Oh, they have the best Rubens there. Oh, well, first off, shout out to Woodstock Inn. I mean, I've been going 18 years now. One of my favorite places on the face of the earth because I still have people that are like, this is amazing. I rode my horse to a restaurant and tied up. So there's still that childlike wonder of doing this that now I'm like, yeah, I'm an old hat. But I love introducing new people to that idea because it was just such a minute for me. So joining the Maryland Horse Council got you involved and it got you into the community. It did. And the trails and, well, I guess the horse got you into the community and you met those stubborn women, the loving women right. who were going to challenge you and hold your hand and then kick you in the hiney. Correct. And the next thing you know, you're on the trails. Right. And you've got your own horse. And the network with the Maryland Horse Council got you involved. The Maryland Horse Council is a trade association. And what they represent is the betterment of anything related to horse ownership and horse businesses. So when you look at the state of Maryland and how they are so dependent on horse community to be a business, there is nothing better than having somebody who's got your back to be the voice for those horse owners, horse businesses, horse professionals. If I remember the recent census to the tune of $2 billion. 2.8, closer to $3 billion. $3 billion. And in that, the highest ranking was trail. It was recreational riders. And the last survey they did, it's not, you know, as beautiful as the pretty riders at the four stars and the five stars are. It's the backyard horse owner that makes up the majority of Maryland owners. So it's it's the guy that's buying their feed and the feed companies are here in Maryland. And it's the guy that just gets on his, guy or gal, that gets on his horse who is just a two, three horse backyard farm. It's not necessarily these big stables. There's more of us just recreational riders than there are the big hoity-toities. The sport horses have surpassed the standing studs for the racetrack. The backyard riders, if you will, the recreational riders, we are the force behind part of this economics. We are. Sport horses are supporting a large part of it and the recreational riders. The recreational riders break down in the census in a couple different ways. The recreational dressage, the recreational sport horses. Mm -hmm. And those of us who I like to call us the crockpot have horse will travel crew. <laughs> that's, that's us, yeah. You got involved. You got your horse. You got out there. You had this group of women. You started participating in the Maryland Horse Council. Why did you hit the chair, the Trails Committee? Great question. I was feeling I'm very involved and I was attempting to be an integral part of the liaison between horse people and not horse people that still use the trail. So it's trail usership, all of us. But right. horse people were not on speed dial when something came up that had a decision making to be done. And the first thing was the adaptive bike trail. So that I ride scary for me as a horseback rider, I have to say. I feel like I'm a really involved person. And the fact that I didn't know this trail was going into one of the most commonly ridden places for me, I was like, well, how could anyone else have known? If I didn't know. Too. I vividly remember that meeting at the horse council where right. you brought that information in. And most of the room just kind of went, there is? Yeah. So it really hadn't made its way out into the pretty well-involved crew of the horse council. And the other part 
is there is a horse club that is located directly in Patapsco State Park to this new adaptive bike trail that they weren't even aware that it was happening. Now, how do you not pick up the phone and talk to the entity that represents roughly 600 people that might come through your park on horseback and say, hey, we've got this new vehicle. We've got this new something that there is a really strong chance no horse has ever seen. And we'd like to discuss it with you. We'd like to kind of get your input. And that was not done. So I immediately started making the phone calls and saying, well, what do we do? How can we marry the two together? How can we have a meet and greet? How can we introduce these horses to this brand new thing that they might be encountering on the trail that no other horse has ever seen. So you're not saying don't do this. You're saying marry the two, Correct. figure it out, let's right. come together and find solutions. Correct. Because we're all going to use the same trails. Right. And the trail did encompass a portion of the trail that was used a lot coming out of a lot that is exclusively horse trailer. So if you have horse trailer parking, clearly that's where the horses are going to be. And if you're putting the structure of this adaptive bike trail there, because they too need to park in something that's fairly large for the bikes, then how are we not going to come in contact with each other? I mean, it's going to happen. So I was reaching out to uh, friends of Patapsco, which was the adaptive sports director and saying, how can we get us in a situation where we see each other and get to know each other? So that was the catalyst to becoming the chair was we just needed someone to say, how do we put all of our trail riding entities under one umbrella called the Maryland Horse Council? And how do we foster one voice to call DNR, to have the Zoom meetings, to reach out to the right decision makers and say, hey, we're here. Let's talk. So there was one really positive that I remember, and I'm really grateful, was I was asked to come out to McKeldin when they had gotten the approval for a new bridge. And the new bridge was really not a good idea the way it was exactly. It was going to be this concrete trapezoid because they were worried about flooding. And those horsey people that were there, there were three of us, we kind of looked at each other like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going over a no railing, flat surface, concrete trapezoid. And so we were really fortunate that the engineers listened to us and they were asking really good questions. So the end result was something we could all be very proud of. And it was going to have railings that were going to be high enough that horses would be comfortable crossing it. It was going to to have a non-slip surface, which we talked about. And so, you know, like that type of moment felt like such a success. So what you're saying and what the Horse Council and you as the chair of the Trails Committee is saying, it's not about excluding, it's Never. about educating and saying, we don't want to exclude, we want to include, we want to work together. I think the word you used was marry. And it's a way that I think a lot of horse people want to go out, ride the horses and go home. And we're kind yeah. of, we can be quiet. Yeah. And you have the perfect combination of New York and trail riding and have already made that transition. You've been in rescue work. You've right. been through these various things and you're putting that together. Do you find that being in part of the Horse Council, there's all these different disciplines that you talked about when we first started discussing what the Horse Council is. Have you learned more than just trails being there? I 
I've learned so much about breeding. I've learned so much about the eventing and jumping and the fox hunting, what goes into the carriage rides and the trails in relation to people that drive the horses because that takes some real skill. And then even learning about the racing industry and all the vocations that lead into our horse world as well. I'm a Baltimore County teacher, so I teach high school and I'm always looking at where can some of my students go into the world of equine when it comes to vocations. So again, we go back to like all the things, landscaping, fencing, farriers, leather work. Hay production. Horse trailer, welding. Diesel mechanic. Diesel mechanic. Gosh, like it's just endless amounts of things. I've had some great kids that come out and volunteer at my property and they learn about the horses, but they also work a really rough day of like cleaning up. And we talk about feed, all the different types of nutritional needs our horses go through and how that leads to, you know, the different organizations here, the feed makers, the mill, the farmers co-op, everybody who is just involved with the maintenance and the health and welfare. And we haven't even started talking about the agritourism. Yeah, exactly. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Carol Ann about greenways, trails, and the Maryland Horse Council. Join me, Rayshan Mayer, from Mariah Belmander Kennel for our new adventure, Living Life Tales Up podcast, combining everyday life with what goes on at the kennel and farm, a bit of humor, some ideas, and some positive happy bubbles. We're living tales up, nose down, and staying on track. We hope to see you on Living Life Tales Up for five to ten minutes worth of happy, happy bubbles shooting out there in the atmosphere. See you soon. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Carol Ann Sharp, a current seated board member for the Maryland Horse Council, as well as a member of TROT, Trail Riders of Today. And we're talking about greenways, those trails in Maryland's parks and recreationals, those county parks, and what they mean to all of us who want to use them. Welcome, Carol Ann. One of the other things I want to touch on, the guy that you're riding is a retired police horse. I have three. I ride a 33-year-old, one-eyed, retired police horse. And he has done so many amazing things with me. And one of them is we finally did have a really great meet and greet with the adaptive bikes. Yes. And Diesel was my go-to. He led them and several of the bikes followed myself and some other riders up and down that little area where the parking is. And we had our own little trail ride with the adaptive bikes. But Diesel is my go-to when it comes to the scary things. So what is scary from a horse's point of view about adaptive bikes? An adaptive bike is a recumbent bike. So it is longer, it is lower to the ground, and it can either be front facing down, pedaling with a hand, so your belly down pedaling, or it can be recumbent where you are reclined back pedaling with your feet. So something low to the ground moving along, horses are prey, not predators. Right. Does that spook horses? Does it have the potential? I believe it will. Luckily, the four or five of us, we did not have that problem. And I haven't heard of any yet, but I just by design and vice versa, the person who's on the bike, again, we go back to is probably limited. They can't get off the bike and move off the trail like an able-bodied rider, a typical rider right now, and move off the trail with their bike. They could lift it up. They could get off. They could move into the grass. This person probably doesn't have the same luxury. And that's an etiquette piece. An etiquette piece and a safety piece. Yeah, because horses are riding along. And while we do have the right of way, you have someone who sometimes we say you can go ahead of us and the bicyclist will go ahead of us because we're going slower than they are. And if there's four or five of us, we don't want to hold them up. Or the etiquette is the right of way is you 
move your bike off the trail and allow the horses to go past. That's not going to be so easy with someone who is in adaptive bike. And for me, if I put myself in the mind of that adaptive bike person, Mm -hmm. if I have a horse that spooks, I'm not only risking myself, but also the adaptive bike rider. Correct. Because a spooking horse can have erratic foot movements. I'm going to throw my husband under the bus. Sorry, Tim. Here you go. He asked me, why do you even say a horse will spook? Well, if I'm coming around the corner and I don't expect you're there, or I'm opening the bathroom door and there's somebody coming in the other way. Right. That's startling. Correct. I have people walk in and out that bathroom door all day. I didn't know you were around the corner. I didn't expect to see you there. Right. So it's more of an innate thing. Yeah. I worry that we use spooking as our primary reason why we're worried because then our backlash is, well, then why is your horse on the trails? Are they not trained well? Are they not trained well enough? And so again, it goes back to if you're on a bike and you come around a blind edge or blind turn, you might spook as well because you didn't expect something to be on the other side of that when you're going 10 miles an hour or so. But my also is concerned about proximity. If the trail is 10 feet wide and my horse is a couple feet wide and the bike's a couple feet wide, we may have to pass each other. And thus, you know, not all trails are perfectly measured Absolutely to, to include all to of us. Right, exactly. So that goes back to just worrying more about proximity of if we come across each other on a trail together, bike, horse, horse, bike, someone has to know how to get through. Somebody has to know how to get past each other. So also what I want to find humorous is where the bicyclist is, is below the tail yes. of the horse too. Yes. So I wouldn't want them to be too close to the horse and have to smell whatever, you know, he had for lunch that day. But again, it's talking to each other. We've had some really good conversations with bicyclists in general about what they are concerned about, what we're concerned about. And, and I'm going to throw this out there too. Both communities are now looking at e-bikes being used on the trails. They were approved in Carroll County parks, but their class one e-bikes are allowed. And they're not talking about dirt bikes. That's something different. This is, again, it's a power assisted bike. And it's not quite a moped. No, no. And there's more than one level. So again, going back to the education of talking to people, there's more than one type of e-bike. They all have a different level of motor assisted where one kind of you pedal, 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 and it saves your energy to be used on the upward or the downward. And then there's others that you can flip the little switch and it's almost completely motorized. Interesting. Carroll County approved level one e-bikes to be used in Carroll County parks. Questions came up. Who's going to monitor that? Who's going to make sure you're on a class one, not a class two? Uh, How do we know one from the other? And again, going back to, I know that I've heard the stories, people that would not have typically gotten out and got that physical activity are now given the freedom to do it because of the e-bike. You know, I mean, we talk about therapeutic horseback riding. We talk about the therapy of a horse. I am involved in therapeutic horseback riding, and we find out that the horse is the only animal that is completely mirrors the same hip movement of a human being. So when someone's having trouble with their hips and you put them on a horse, their muscle groups are using the exact same as the horse. Absolutely. That's how I learned that my hips were misaligned. See, and there, and so now the e-bikes are also assisting people that would not have typically had the ability to ride. So no one wants to limit that 
freedom and that newfound joy. Right. But if everyone can sit at the table and talk about, well, what does this mean for you? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? Let's create those opportunities to talk. What is the mission of the chair of the Trail Stewardship Committee? Our mission is to create one umbrella voice for all equine trail users and to have a seat at the table with everybody else. What is the <laughs> challenge? Several trail riders are very introverted and their hours spent on their properties and their hours spent at their jobs to support mm-hmm. their horse habit can really come into play with yeah. the effectiveness and the hours that are put into trail maintenance. My humble opinion is so many of us are volunteers. So many of us have real jobs and have to do all these things that are time consuming to be a horse owner, to be a property owner, that I would like to see more support from state entities, from other areas. For me personally, I just want to do it well, but I don't have eight, nine hours a day to to give to it. I have to say I'm always impressed, always impressed by the bike community and the amount of volunteers they get. Absolutely. And the grants, they are just so good at it. You have goals. Yeah. You've gotten yourself involved. You've moved things forward. You have started off with the adopted horse, not knowing what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. 30 years later, you're very still involved, still moving things 18 forward. Years 18, years 18 years riding. 18 years riding. Recently, we put uh, a mounting block and a hitching post. Trot had a grant through a uh, Maryland Horse Industry Board. And we were able to put a hitching post and a mounting block at the bathrooms in McKeldin and the bathrooms at Avalon. And the one in Avalon is open 24 hours, seven days a week, all year round. So there are some bathrooms, but that's a good point. Like, I don't even think everybody knows that. And to try to hold your horse and go to the potty inside of a porta potty at the same time. Yeah. Not a good idea. Yeah. yeah. And that was the reason we put the mounting blocks and the hitching posts so that you could go in the bathroom, you could tie your horse up and then get back on your horse. When I spoke with uh, Alisa, was the young lady, and I said, well, what do you think we could do? We have a little bit of money. What do you think would be great? And it was actually, and she's not a horse person. It was her suggestion to put the hitching posts outside the bathrooms. And we said, okay. Okay, we can make that happen. That education, that united voice, that coming together, it all makes a difference. Mm-hmm. When people want to find you, where do we find you? So, Do you want us to find you? Oh, absolutely. No, no, find me. I, I am a Sherpa. I love when people call me, email me, text me. And honestly, because I'm so grateful, and it goes back to the Maryland Horse Council thing. Everything I do, every time I join another organization, it's because I'm extremely grateful to the people that did for me, at the organizations that did for me. So everything I do, do, uh, it comes out of that gratefulness. Okay. So on Facebook, you can clearly find me, Carol Ann Tackenberg Sharp. Um, I'm always on Facebook more than I should be. My email is blackandwhitebookieequine at gmail.com. And you have to spell out A-N-D for and. And basically pick up an equerry. I'm on the board of directors, so I'm in there as well. And I'm easy to find. The Maryland Horse Council is such an amazing entity that membership is key because it does allow us all to talk. I mean, I would not know somebody who is using, and again, this is what I'm really excited about, using recycled newspaper for bedding had I not been introduced to this person. And like, that's intriguing. Let's find out more. Things that make you go, hmm. Yes, exactly. When you have a problem in the horse world, someone has a solution. Sometimes it's bailing twine and duct tape, but it is solution. a solution. It gets the job done. <laughs> Carolyn, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening here on Raising Connections. We hope you've been able to make a few connections that make you go, hmm, I didn't know about that. We'll see you next time. This program is a production of Raising Connections Media Company, produced and hosted by Ray Mayer and edited and mixed by Robin Temple. 